Thank you guys. You're so nice. Um, yeah, so thank you, Sue. That was quite an introduction. Um, appreciate that. Appreciate you. Um, so I just want to tell you really quickly a little bit more about myself. So Aaron and I actually met here um, in 2004 um, as a master's a master's commission student. So what was OSL, like the precursor to what is OSL was master's commission um, that started in like the 80s or 90s or something with Pastor Mark um, and Pastor Scott. Um, Aaron and I came to at 2000, in 2004. We actually were here when OSL was created. We, um, we were on staff with OSL. And so I have a really, really big heart for you guys. Um, I know most of you and I love and I love you. But even those of you who I don't know, I genuinely have a love and a heart for you because um, in my opinion, you are, you are me. I feel like we can be kindred spirits because the fact that you had said an, as 18 or 19 or 20 year olds, hey, I want to go and devote um, this season of my life to serving the Lord, to serving the local church, um, to getting an education, like that, that was my heart. That's all I wanted. And so I feel like I can connect with you just in that. Um, and so I love you guys so much and I'm so grateful to get to have this chance um, to come and speak to you guys. I am pregnant and I kind of get short of breath. So oh, sorry for panting <laughs> if I do. So, um, so Aaron and I got married in 2009 and we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we uh, became youth and young adults pastors um, there, and we were there for eight years. So actually this May, Aaron and I are celebrating 10 years of marriage, um, yep. <laughs> and, um, and also 10 years of being in full-time, um, really full-time pastoral ministry. Um, and so I wanted to speak to you guys today um, with that with that experience in mind. Okay, we're celebrating 10 years. So I wanna tell you, what does 10 years of ministry look like? Um, in 10 years, there's lots of really exciting, fun things that happen. And in 10 years, there are really um, not fun things that happen <laughs> or seasons that are just hard and dry that you just, you gotta get through. And so um, Aaron and I have seen so many of our friends, people who went through OSL, Master's Commission with us, who had a heart for God, who were called into the ministry, go into ministry and then not last very long, maybe last one position where they go and they go youth pastor somewhere for a year and they get hurt, they get burnt out, they get frustrated um, and they just decide this ministry thing is not what I'm cut out for. Um, even worse, maybe this whole Christian thing is not all it's... All, all we thought it was either. And so we have friends that we love so dearly who, um, who are not in ministry that I could tell you they have a call of God on their life, but they're not doing it. And I have friends who are, um, who are fighting what God is trying to do in their life because they really just, they don't want to open up their hearts to what he's trying to tell them to do. And so um, I don't want that for anybody in this room. So what I want to do in just the next few minutes is I want to tell you a little, about, a little bit about our journey and a little bit about um, what is ahead for you as someone who wants to go into full-time ministry. Um, I want to demystify what ministry looks like because it's not, all the, it's not all the amazing things that we see on a stage on a Sunday morning. It's a lot more than that. Um, and so, so I want to talk to you about the seasons that happen um, and that you are going to face in your life in ministry. So as I go through this, I, like I want to point out that these are seasons you're going to go through in your life just period. 
because we just know life is like that. It's seasonal, just like every year there's four seasons um, and things change. That's going to happen in your life. But I want to talk in the context of full-time ministry. Cool? All right. So um, I was actually thinking um, Tuesday morning after after prayer, um, I had a really good P3 moment with um, Sue. And it reminded me of a dream that I had um, probably like three or four years ago. Um, that the Lord, the Lord gave me this dream. Okay. Dreams are sometimes a little bit weird to translate into a story. So just go with me here. Okay. Um, but I had this dream that, um, there was this railroad, um, out on this, in this big field. Okay. Um, on the railroad was, um, a train, but instead of it being like, um, like cargo, uh, cars where they held people or held cargo or something like that. It was just a, a flat platform. So there's literally nothing on it, but this flat platform and the wheels that go along the track. Um, and then across from the, um, the track was this, this really large grandstand, like, um, stadium seating. Okay. And it was filled with this, this big crowd of people. What well, was really dark and, and the railroad was going really, really slowly. And so the, um, the train would pass and when it would get to right in front of the grandstand, um, the lights would go, the lights would go black. It was like completely dark. And then all of a sudden a big light would sh shone on the, on, um, the platform. And so it was like a, it was like a theater moment. I realized like, oh, this is a show. <laughs> These people are watching a show. And when the lights came on, it was a still picture of a scene, um, in, in the, in the play. So I realized really quickly, okay, this is not like a live action thing. Like they're just getting these glimpses of like, um, everybody's frozen in this one position, but it's telling a story and it makes sense to the audience. And so it would, the lights would come on and they would, ooh and all, it like totally made sense to them. And then the lights would go completely out and then the train would move a little bit slower. And then the lights would shine on again. It would be a new scene. And this just kept going and going. Well, I know from just um, talking to people who are smarter than me that a lot of times when you're having dreams, um, spiritual dreams that, are, that have vehicles in them or trains, that a lot of times that can symbolize ministry. Okay? So, right? Right? I saw you <laughs> nod your heads. That made me feel better. <laughs> um, and so... As it was going, it was like we were seeing these glimpses of things that happened. Well, all of a sudden, it was like everybody knew this is the grand finale. Like, this is the big scene. This is like the, um, this is the ending of this, this great show, okay? So the lights came on, and I couldn't see what it was. But all I could see was there was this big, huge glow, like, you know, like you imagine Jesus has that like glow about him, you know, this scene had this glow that just radiated off of it. And as soon as the lights came on, everyone in the grandstands stood up to their feet and started cheering and yelling and, and so excited, like, oh my word, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened. I cannot believe what we're seeing. This is, this is amazing. And I instantly woke up, had no clue what had happened on, on the platform. And the moment that I woke up, before I could even open my eyes, the Lord spoke to me um, these words. And he said, you're going to want to see how this ends. And I just knew in that moment that the Lord had, had shown these scenes. Um, some of them, you know, they, they, were, they were exciting. Some of them had challenges in them. And it was like all of these scenes that had happened 
But then he was saying, hey, you know what? doesn't matter what happens up until this point. You're going to want to see how I end this because I'm going to end it in a great and glorious way. And so um, I hadn't thought about that for years until this Tuesday. And I I think it was just such a God thing because I already knew what I was going to speak about. Um, And it just, it helped me to realize like, okay, those little, those little um, pictures and scenes. That's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about four scenes that you're going to experience. And these are things that you're going to experience over and over again. Just like every year, there's four seasons and it rotates four seasons next year. There'll be four seasons the year after that. You're going to experience these things in rotation. Okay. But I want to just give you a glimpse of what those four scenes can look like. Cool. All right, so the very first um, one of these um, seasons is uh, spring season, okay? So when you get into ministry, you're going to be super excited. Um, Aaron and I got married in 2009, went immediately. I don't even know. We got married on a Thursday, and I want to say by Tuesday, we were at our first church service. I think so. (laughs) Um, And so, um, I mean, we were just so super excited. We were getting to take over the youth ministry that was there. We were getting to start um, a young adults ministry that hadn't, um, they didn't have anything at the time. And so there's just a lot of excitement. You get to go in with all your ideas and all of everything that I learned here. Like, we can do this. This is going to be so great. And so that was um, a spring season for us. So a spring season is going to be characterized by a couple things. Um, it's going to be characterized by a season where you have a lot of new vision, where you've got some things you want to see accomplished, um, where there's new endeavors. Hey, um, like, like beyond success is a new endeavor. So that, that can um, come with a lot of the spring emotions that come with that because it's something that's really exciting that we're getting the whole community involved in. So new endeavors, um, fresh words from God, um, in a spring season, it, it feels like the Lord is always speaking to you. It's a constant download of what he's telling you to do and, and just um, of what he's saying. It makes me think of like how in spring um, it rains a lot and the rain nourishes everything that's growing. It's like the Lord's um, words and him speaking to you and other people prophesying over you, all that. It's like the rain that helps what's, what's coming up out of the ground to really um, make it. You know what I mean? And so in spring, the Lord's speaking to you a lot. Um, it could be a season where you've got a new team. Um, you've got new, new employees on the staff maybe or new volunteers. People are excited saying, hey, can I help you do this? I've got an idea. We want to start doing this here in the ministry. Um, it's a season where you get to dream of what could be. It's just like you're not doing it all. You're just getting to dream it up. Um, and it's a season where things start to bloom. You're starting to see growth. You're starting to see the evidence that something new is going to happen. It's a really exciting and a really energizing season. It's fun. It's really fun to be in ministry during a spring season. I love newness. Like I want to celebrate the first of every month, like not just the first of every season, but like, Hey, it's February 1st. This should be a holiday. Let's do something fun. Um, I look for all kinds of reasons to, um, go and get ice cream or things like that. So, um, so I like to celebrate anything that's new. Um, I just get super energized. Um, and this is a season where everything that's been dormant, Um, is starting to come to life, which is why it's so exciting. 
I think this is the season that Isaiah talks about in Isaiah 43, 19, where it says, um, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And that's, that's something that God, that verse God brings to me sometimes. And I love, I love when that's what the verse I get when I pray, because I'm like, yes, it's spring. I love spring. Um, and so, so I want to talk to you about how, not just how spring looks in my life, but I want to talk to you about um, what these seasons looked like in Jesus' life. Jesus didn't have a very long um, season, or, or I shouldn't say season, but time of ministry here on earth. But even in, his, in, even in his short years in ministry, we get to see all of the seasons. And so I want to just parallel that. I don't want you just to be like, oh, that's nice. I'm glad you had that experience, Kate. I want to show you what it looked like for Jesus, okay? So um, Jesus in John chapter 2 he does his first miracle. So I would say this is a spring season for Jesus. He is getting to start something new. People are getting to see, oh, wow, he actually has supernatural powers. Like maybe he is, um, maybe he is someone special. Who, who is this guy? And so in John chapter 2, he turns um, water into wine at a wedding feast. It's his very first miracle. And the Bible says um, what Jesus did in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. So it was the very first thing that he did. That's a spring season. He's experiencing something for the first time. People are seeing him for the first time. People are believing for the first time. So this is a spring season. In John chapter three, um, he, he sits and talks with Nicodemus and he actually shares his mission. And this is the first time in, in, um, in the book of John where we hear like, why is it that Jesus is even here? We get to hear his mission. And this is where the infamous verse comes that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So he's, he's got a fresh vision and a mission, and he's starting to do some works, and people are starting to recognize it. That, that characterizes a spring season for Jesus. Um, but that doesn't last a super long time. Um, you can only be in um, theory of starting something new for so long until you have to actually do the work of it. And so we see a season change. And so the season that then comes after spring, we all know is summer. And how I would characterize summer is a season where you are working hard and you're playing hard. Think about summer. Like everybody loves summer. It's, the sun is out. It's, they're super long days. You can, you can um, stay up until eight o'clock and it feels like, or outside until eight o'clock and the sun is still up. You can, you can do a lot in a summer day. And so a summer season looks like long hours and really, really hard work. Um, but it's also a time where there's a lot of enjoyment and a lot of excitement about what you're doing. It's a season where you're seeing a lot of fruit from the things that you're doing, um, where there's a lot of production. You're, you're producing a lot in a summer season, and there's a lot of satisfaction about, around it. So like for us, that's a season where we were literally in church, I can't even tell you <laughs> how many times a week. Um, when, we, when Aaron and I first started, we had 
church, we had three services on a Sunday morning, so we'd get there about eight-ish, and we'd leave at three, and we would go have lunch at three, and then we would come back at five, and we'd get ready for young adults on Sunday night, um, and then we were at a bilingual church, so then on um, Tuesday nights, we would go for English uh, Bible study, our midweek service for all of our Eng English um, people, and then on Wednesday nights, we had youth that we were in charge of, and then on Thursdays, we would go to um, Spanish Bible study, and then we'd start again on Sunday. So like, that's a summer season. <laughs> um, those are long hours. And, and that's just like the regular routine. That's not the extra, like we want to do leadership development. Um, we've got youth camp, we've got um, retreats, we've got youth convention, we're doing fine arts, we've got a, I've got a come up with three human videos so my kids can actually go to nationals this year because I want to go to Disneyland. So we need to make this happen. Um, you know, all of those things. Those are such stinking long hours, but we have some of the best memories from that season because it's just fun. It's fun. You have the energy to put the hours in and it's really fun. Um, for Jesus, there was a two-year span in his life um, where he is just He's just working hard. So from chapter um, four of John on, um, we see that he is, he's feeding the 5,000. He's, um, he's going and, and talking with the Samaritan woman. He's including the outcast. He's healing the blind. He's talking with lepers. He's, um, he's doing all these great signs and wonders. He's going and approaching the demon possessed. All these people that no one else wanted to love on, he's going and doing the hard, tough work of the ministry. And I can't imagine, um, or I can imagine that this was an exciting time. It was a, for sure an exciting time for his followers, for the disciples. They thought like, man, we found something out. Like we've got a secret. We've, how did we even get to be picked by this man that can do all of these miraculous things? Like it's a really exciting time in, in the ministry of Jesus. And this goes on and on and on and on um, where he's just doing miracle after miracle. He like basically can't go anywhere without needing to heal someone or needing to, to teach a story or to tell a parable. It's just, it's nonstop. And I think that it's enjoyable for Jesus because you know what? Jesus knew his mission. Like he was not being lazy. He wasn't like the lazy summer person that's like, I woke up at one o'clock and then I'm going to just stay up playing video games or Netflix binging till... 4 a.m. And like, that was not Jesus's approach to summer season. His approach was like, I am here on mission. I know what my father has me doing and I'm going to do it. I'm going to bust my tail and I'm going to get this done. And summer is where you get to see all the vision that comes with spring. It's where you work it out and where you see all that stuff start to happen. Um, so all of this is happening in Jesus's life. And I'm just going to say that Jesus' summer season goes from where all of these miracles are starting to happen, he's getting followers, up until we see um, in the very first day um, of Holy Week, um, where, he, where he makes a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Okay, so if you can remember this story, uh, he rides in on a donkey, and um, all of these people who love him and adore him, they're, they're waving the palm branches. They're placing them at his feet. They're taking their garments and laying them so that he can come into the city, um, not on the dirty, gross um, ground, but, but they're, they're making this whole procession happen. Um, and not only that, but they're yelling, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is like the big moment, you know, everybody's acknowledging who he is, that he is the son of God, that he, that, um, he 
can do miraculous things. And so this, I would say that this is like the, commu- the I keep trying to say this word. <laughs> what is it? Culmination. What? It's the baby. I don't know. I promise I can say it. Ask me in a couple months. I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, it's like the big end all be all. Okay. Um, uh, but you know what? That lasts for like a moment because what we know is that um, very, very quickly, the season changes for Jesus. Um, and it changes very drastically and it changes very harshly for Jesus. And so what happens is um, his disciples begin to start falling away. People are starting to get nervous because there's now talk about about um, who Jesus is. There's being accusations being made. And so people are starting to hide and deny and, and do all of that. Um, that is the worst place to be in when people are just making crap up about you, <laughs> you know, or where people are just like, yeah, they're not that cool anymore. I liked them, but I found somebody better. We're going to move on. That is, that sucks. And I feel like that, that's just like the beginning of what Jesus is starting to experience, um, in this next season, um, which is a fall season for Jesus. So there's a lot of things that happen, and I'm just going to briefly go through what, what those things are. So um, Jesus um, starts to predict his death. So we have the Lord's Supper where he lets the disciples know, hey, here's, here's what's going on. He knew, which is so awesome. He knew. The Lord, the Lord he, I mean, he is the Lord, but he knew what was coming. So he, he knew how to handle it. And that's the thing that I want to tell you today is I want you to be able to handle the things that are coming. So I want to say, hey, spoiler alert, like you're not going to get through life without a fall season. Okay. So I don't want you to think it's always spring and summer. It's not always fun and um, newness. There's going to be a season in your life that's going to be tricky to to manage. There's going to be a season in your life that's going to be a fall season. Okay. So spoiler alert, it's happening. Um, When it happens, don't be shocked. Okay. It's okay for it to be hard, but I just don't want you to think this is not what I signed up for. It kind of is. Okay. Um, so for Jesus, he predicts his death. Um, then he goes to, um, Gethsemane and that's where we know the big betrayal happens. Um, where Judas gives the dude some money and turns Jesus in. Peter gets crazy, cuts off somebody's ear. Like all of these crazy circumstances start playing out in Jesus's life. He gets arrested. He gets placed on trial. Um, he gets mocked and ridiculed by the rulers of the day. Um, none of these things does he deserve. The Bible even says that Herod and Pontius Pilate couldn't find anything wrong with them. They were just kind of like, we don't, we don't get it, but you guys want this. Even to the point where the same crowd that were welcoming, welcoming him in days before saying, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord, uh, or he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, th- the same people who were shouting his praises just days before, um, they get this option from um, Pilate where he says, I don't see anything wrong with him, but I'm going to release one prisoner. So do you want Jesus, the king of the Jews, or do you want um, Barabbas, the murderer, the one that stirs up trouble in your village? Uh, Which one do you want? And they shout, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. And uh, 
what a stinking betrayal that Jesus experiences. And you know, I think sometimes we think, well, he knew and like that was the whole purpose and he's just on mission. But like that doesn't mean that like he doesn't experience the pain that comes, that comes with that. And I just want to tell you that you're going to encounter people in your life and in your ministry who are going to sing your praises one day and betray you the next. And that's just the hard truth. And I'm not saying like, man, people suck. <laughs> Don't pastor a church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying pastor a church and love people with all your heart. And, um, but, do it, but do it with the right attitude and love those people. Even those that betray you, you've got to love them. The, the Bible says to love your enemy. Um, pray for those people that, that do these things to you. And, and so um, I just want you to know that, that things like this are, are going to happen. Okay, um, for Aaron and I, our fall season came really quickly um, in a season where the Lord actually one night woke me up and said, hey, things are going to change like real quickly. I just want to give you a heads up. Um, and he took me to a passage that made kind of sense, but kind of not sense. And it was just like, Actually, maybe I'm not here with the Lord. Uh, I think it's a little too late, and I had a weird dream. Like, maybe that's what this is. But looking back, it's like I know he warned me before it happened. Hey, things are going to happen, and they're going to change really quickly. Um, and, and, it, and it just did. We started experiencing restructuring in our church um, where... Um, Aaron and I were in charge of a lot of things. Remember, we were doing a lot of different things. And so um, the church leadership decided for uh, our youth group that we'd been doing for, at that point, seven years maybe, um, that one of, the, one of our main leaders, a guy we love so much, love to this day, he's, he's one of my favorite people, um, that they were going to go ahead and pass the youth ministry off um, to, to Abraham and that then we would be able to just focus on on young adults, and we were going to get someone else to start helping us with junior high. Really, it was a good thing. It was a really good thing, but I didn't take it as that. I, I took it as like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, no one asked the pastor's wife <laughs> if you're allowed to do that. Senior pastor did not consult me, uh, so I'm going to be mad at you for the next nine months about this, and, um, and if I'm honest, I didn't handle this fall season well. I could have. I really, really could have, and I, and I didn't handle it well. Instead, I got very, very frustrated, and I started fighting the change and let, instead of letting the change happen. So if you think about fall, um, in, a, in fall, the trees have to release their leaves, right? Like, the whole point of fall is they change. The leaves change from green to whatever color that they change to in Texas, and, um, and, then, they, and then they fall, um, and I, I was just totally fighting the change. Like it shouldn't happen this way. Like who, who do they think they are? Um, d does that make sense? Um, and it's not good to fight the Lord, you know? And I think I thought I was fighting a person, um, or a system or an idea, but, um, what I didn't realize is I was really fighting the Lord. Because what happened in that fall season for us really set us up to be able to make the next move. Honestly, it set us up to be able to be here 
we wouldn't have been able to, to make the move that we made here had um, the youth group not been in a good place, had someone new not come in and been able to take it, take it um, off of our hands. Like we would not have left thinking, oh, we can't just leave from one day to the next and just abandon everything. Really, the Lord was setting us up so that we could have an exit strategy. But I, instead of asking the Lord, what are you doing? Or, or I said, why is this person doing this to me? I'm angry and I feel rejected and hurt and mad. And, um, I thought that we built this for ourselves. It's really probably what was in my heart. Then we built this for you, Lord. And so, um, and so that was, that was a really tough season. Um, fall seasons can be characterized by, um, extreme change, um, it's also going to be a season where you have a, a really um, great need to surrender. So just like a tree has to let go of its leaves, you've got to be able to surrender to the things that the Lord's asking you to surrender to. Now, all of these things don't have to be, um, I know I'm kind of painting a picture of like betrayal or loss or frustration. It, it doesn't always look like that. Sometimes Sometimes it's really great things that you're surrendering, um, but you have to surrender in order to make room for what's coming. And so um, this, can, this can take on a lot of different forms. Um, it also can be a season where maybe you're not hearing the Lord's voice as clearly as, as you were before. Um, and I just want to tell you, like, if you ever enter into a season where you're not hearing the Lord's voice um, or you're not sure what, what you should do or what he said, you need to go back to the last thing that he told you. So for me, the last thing that the Lord had told me was, hey, this is me. <laughs> I'm doing this and an extreme change is happening. Um, trust me, I'm doing this. Um, but I, I decided to forget that word until um, long after it had happened. Um, so go back to the last thing that the Lord said to you. And if you can't remember the last thing that the Lord said to you, go back to your spring season when the Lord was raining all that, those words down, you know, um, and go back and look, pull out your journals, pull out your notes from these leadership lessons from, um, pull out your recordings from P3 and just figure out what was the Lord doing? What has he been saying that I maybe am not listening to? Um, and, and if you can't hear him in the moment, you need to go back to where the last time it was that you heard him. Okay. So, um, so I was obviously not handling this season well at all, um, and until one night, um, the season changed for me, at least in my heart. I, um, I chose to, to handle it better. I chose to make a difference in the way I was handling it. And, um, Aaron and I were watching Netflix one night, um, really late and we are foodies. We like really good food. We like to watch shows about food, pretty much everything. Um, and this, this night we were watching like a really nerdy food show. So it was like, I can't even remember what it was called, but, um, it's a show that like talks about every episode is about a different, um, a different like ingredient, a different a different food, okay? And it like tells you the history of that food and where does it come from? And you go to the, you go to the garden where it came from. Um, it's really, really interesting, way less boring than I'm making it sound. Um, but this episode in particular was, um, was an episode on wheat. And so what they were saying in the show is that um, in the United States, there are very few, um, true wheat grains 
in existence. Like almost everything that we eat and everything that's produced in the United States is actually genetically modified or has some kind of um, pesticide or whatever in it. So like we're not actually eating true grain as grain once was. Um, but there are a few farmers that still produce this grain. They have the, they have the pure um, seed. And so this, the host of the show goes and he meets with this, um, with this farmer who's talking about, um, about his really rare wheat that he grows. And he said these words, and it was like so piercing to my heart um, as, as he said them, as if it was like the Lord speaking directly to me. And he said that every season he, um, he reaps a harvest, okay? So every season he brings in the crop. And he said, every season he has to take the, the seed from that crop and he has to put it down deep in the ground and he has to hope that it will produce another harvest. He literally has to, to kill it. <laughs> he has to take it and say, I don't know what this is going to do. This, this could be a bad season. There could be a drought. There could be, um, there could be pestilence. There could be, I could get attacked by whatever attacks wheat, you know, and eat it all up. It could be that this seed doesn't produce again. I have the only seed that can produce pure wheat and I have to stick it in the ground and just hope that it will produce something. And in that moment, the Lord just like, I was shocked. <laughs> like, like, I don't remember being, I can't think of very many times I'm speechless, but I just remember thinking like, oh my word. <laughs> that's what you want me to do, huh, God? That's what I'm going to have to do, huh? Is I'm going to have to take the little bit of seed that I have left. At this point, I'm really frustrated with ministry. I feel hurt, and I feel like, what was all of this for? Why did we even so? Why did we even spend all of these years doing all of this for now? Now what? This like this is what you have, God. This is how you repay us for our hard work. Um, that was my that was my attitude up until this point. Until the Lord said, "I got I need you to take the little bit of the seed that you have that wants to do this, that still wants to serve me, that still wants to obey me, and I need you to stick it down deep in the ground, like down deep in the ground, not like the things you make in kindergarten, but like down deep in the ground. And I'm gonna bury it. I'm gonna cover it up with." wet, damp soil. And you know what? You're going to have to stay there for a while. You're going to have to be okay with some isolation. You're going to have to be okay with nobody recognizing you. You're going to have to be okay with nobody saying, hey, good job um, this Wednesday night. Y'all really pulled that off. Like you're going to have to be okay with someone else taking over what you've grown for seven years. You're going to have to be okay. And the Lord brought me to this passage, um, in Isaiah 61, um, that says, and this is me kind of making a, my own translation, but it says, um, you will be called an oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And I think I'd read that before and I thought, man, an oak of righteousness, that's awesome. Like that's a really tall, sturdy, beautiful tree. Yeah. I want to be an oak cause I want people to see like, man, I'm strong and I'm big and I can do some junk, you know? But it wasn't even that. It was the Lord saying, um, this is a planting that I'm doing. 
Right now you're not an oak, but what you are is you're a planting. You're something that I've taken and I've put down deep in the ground. I am planting you, not for your own Oh, not for your own splendor and glory, but for mine. So that way when you do sprout up, when you do grow tall, all will know, hey, that was me. That wasn't Kate. That was me. And so, um, so that entered my winter season. And you know what? I love my winter season. It was actually the best season. I think when you think about seasons, you think like, oh, winter, that means like that sucked, right? Like that was rough. Honestly, the winter season was like such a peaceful season for me because I knew that I was, that I'd been planted by him. I wasn't fighting anything anymore. And in a winter season, you can't, you can't fight. You have to just find peace and know that this is where God has me and I'm going to be okay with it. Um, A winter season is also characterized by um, a season of being fully surrendered. Like you're just not even, you're not even trying to do anything. Like what can a seed do but just hang out in the dirt? You know, like I can't even do anything but just be, you know, and just, and soak in the nutrients that's around me. Soak in this environment that the Lord has put me in. Soak in every word that he's, that he's saying to me. Now winter season cannot be, hey, I'm just going to sit here and just wait. And I don't know, maybe the Lord will do something with me at some point. You've got to be in nutrient soil. Like you can't, you can't let your soil get dry. You got to, you got to press into the Lord to keep that soil really moist and, and, um, and fertile. So something can actually happen or else you're just going to die there. Um, winter is also a season of brokenness. So what actually happens, I never thought about this until this happened, but what actually happens to seed when it's planted is it actually has to break open. Like nothing's going to come out of it. No roots are going to go down if it just stays the seed that it is. And I put some seeds in um, the center of your table. So if you guys want to grab one of those, it's just a symbol to, so you can remember that you're a seed. Okay. But if you look at it, like if a seed just stays like that, um, what good is it going to do? It actually has to break open so things can sprout out and roots can, and can go deep. And so winter is a season where you're, where you're allowing the Lord to break you. Um, so what we, what we see, I'm going to tell you one more story about, about the season of my life. I was on a treadmill one day, um, like the Lord had already said, you're planted, like, you know, all these things. And I was feeling pretty confident about, okay, Lord, I'm just going to stop fighting and being mad at everyone and, um, listen to you. (laughs) That's a good thing to do, by the way. Um, um, and I was, I was running on the treadmill and I guess it was winter at the time in Albuquerque. Um, and I was running and I could see out the window, I was facing outside and I could see out the window, a tree, kind of like if you look back, it's kind of what you see in the far distance, like a tree that has no leaves on it. It's just a bear, um, a bear tree. And it was waving in the wind. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Hey, you know, that I understand winter seasons too, right? Like, I think sometimes we think like, oh yeah, the Lord's with me in this season, in this season, in this season. And he really just spoke to my heart. Like, 
I, I cannot um, empathize with you more than when you're in a winter season. And I, and I just remember, like, I had to get off the treadmill, <laughs> you know, like, because <laughs> um, it, it just hit me so hard. And um, it's so right, because you know what? Jesus went into the deepest of darkest winter seasons. And he did that so that we could have life. But you know what? He also did it so we, he could empathize with us in our winter seasons. Um, in John 6, when he's predicting his death, he says this. And I'm going to tell you, I did not know this verse until this week. And I was like, oh my word, the Lord really does speak to me because hello, here it is in his word. Um, so in John chapter 6, it's when he's predicting his death, he says, um, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat, why would it be wheat? Why would it be wheat and not like the pea seeds that I gave you? Like, okay, um, I'm going to start over. Okay. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone, hate, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Wow, right? I don't want, I don't want to be a seed that just falls to the ground and dies, and I don't want that for any of you. And so you're going to have to embrace the winter season. Um, Jesus has a winter season. And it's a season where he is beaten and he is broken and he is pierced and he is nailed to a cross and he literally gives up his life for us. And you know, it doesn't stop there. It's not that he just dies, but he actually, like a seed, has to get buried and put into a tomb, put into a hidden dark spot where nobody can be with him. His disciples can't see him. There's nobody singing his praises. He has to go into this dark, deep burial, just like a seed does. And he, and he does that for us. He does that so that we can have life, but he also does that so he can say, I know what it feels like, and I know it sucks. I know it's hard, but you're going to have to do it. If you want to do the things that I do, if you want to be like me, then you're going to need to be like me all the way up into, to the point where you say, yes, Lord, I'll die I'll die to my selfish ways. I will die to what I want. I will die to my plans. I will do what you want. And, and that's how we can be the most like Christ. Um, what I love about, um, what I love about winter seasons though, um, is that it's not the end. Um, winter season always holds the promise of a spring that's coming. And so just like, um, just like Jesus made the disciples the promise that, hey, I'm, uh, this is going to be what happens. I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die, and it's going to look really bleak. It's going to look really bad. You're going to look like a fool that you believed me, and they're going to put me in a grave, and I'm going to stay there for a little while. Um, the Lord made them a promise and said, but you know what? In three days, that's not going to be the story anymore. 
after just a little bit of time of being buried, that's not going to be the story anymore. What's going to happen after a little bit of time is I'm going to come back and I'm going to pronounce a spring season in your life. I'm going to pronounce a spring season for the world. What happened after Jesus rose from the dead was miraculous. Like, so many amazing things happened. That's when the Holy Spirit came in. They were, and the, the early church was empowered. That's when people went out and spread the word. That's like how we are here today is because the Lord pronounced, hey, this is a new season. Uh, yeah, I died, but guess what? I'm back to life and I'm, and I'm pronouncing a new season in, in your life and in mine. And so um, that's what's so exciting about a winter season is you know, just you just got to hold tight because that spring season, you're just on the brink of something really new and exciting. Matthew 28 says this, after the Sabbath at dawn, um, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. He has risen just as he said. And in a winter season, I want you to remember what he said. You have to remember what he said to you. Um, and today I, I want to tell you what he said to me several years before this had even happened. And that's that you are going to want to know how this, you're going to want to see how this ends. It's not going to end with death. It's not going to end with you buried in some soil. It's not, you're going to want to see how it ends. You're going to want to see the oak that sprouts up from the planting that the Lord does in your life. And so today, as I look at each one of you, it's like I can um, imagine a little spinning emblem over your head, you know, like a, a leaf here and a snowflake here and um, maybe a little bloom, you know, a, a burning sun from a summer season. Like I get that every one of you in this room is in a different season. And what I want to tell you today is that you've got to know what season you are in and you've got to steward that season well. If you don't steward that season well, you're not going to steward the next season well either. It's so important that you embrace the season that you're in. It's so important that you know it and that you don't treat it like it's a different season. Man, if you try to, if you try to live in a fall season as if it's summer where you're hustling and you're pushing through and you think like, if I can just work harder and if I can just work more, like this is going to work out when the Lord's saying, I'm asking you to let go. Like, you're going to end up frustrated and bitter. You're going to end up like me in a fall season where like, I'm just trying to make things happen so you've got to know your season. If you're, trying to, if you're trying to come up with new plans and new dreams when the Lord said, just sit in the dirt for a minute and let me soak into you, then you're going to be frustrated that none of these new plans can happen. You've got to know your season. Um, if you're going to last for the long haul in ministry, you've got, to, you've got to know it and you've got to embrace it. And so I want to just pray for you guys um, this morning. So I just, if, you, if you'll close your eyes and if you'll just think through the four seasons. That, are you in a spring season where everything is feeling really fresh and new? Are you in a summer season where you're just, you're hustling and making things happen? Are you in a fall season where the Lord's asking you to just 
let go control and, and hand things over to him? Or are you in a winter season where you're hidden and it feels lonely, but the Lord is so near to you? And Lord, I pray right now, God, for each and every one of these students. God, I thank you for the journey that you have had them on. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are doing such a deep work in each and every one of them. I pray that they would not miss, God, this season in their life, that they would not miss the things that you want to teach them, the things that they need to know. Lord, I pray, Lord, for those that are in a tough season, God, that maybe they've been fighting this season. Lord, I pray that you would bring them freedom from that. Lord, I'm not even asking that you change their season, but I pray that you would change their mind about the season that you have them in. Lord, that their heart would be what Galatians says, that they would not grow weary in doing good, but they would know that at the proper time, they will reap a harvest if they don't give up. And Lord, that needs, that needs to be something we, we stick to every season, no matter our season, that we do not give up, God, but that we know, God, that, that you are faithful to what you say. And so I pray, Lord, that, that this morning that um, there would be an anchor dropped, God, in each one of their hearts. God, that they would make a decision, Lord, today that they will not give up, but that they will stick, God, to your plan and to your purposes. I thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. We're doing Q&A? Okay. Or R. I don't have answers. I only have responses. That's what I'm told, at least. <laughs> if you guys do have any questions, go ahead. She can handle it. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, Rob. Um. How do you emotionally prepare yourself to go, because you said you go through this cycle multiple times. Yeah. Of just being like, going through, like, being over with winter and then having that summer, spring season. Yeah. Um, and then preparing for another, like, Yeah. Winter. No, that makes sense. Um, I think that the Lord does that in you. Like, part of, like, noticing that a season is changing is the Lord will prepare you for those things. Um and what's great is like, I'm telling you, not every season is hard, okay? Like, this is a fun thing that we get to do. So sorry if I painted, um, I ended on winter and fall, so sorry. But um, this is actually like a really fun thing that we get to do. And so there's going to be seasons. That it's like the Lord gives you reprieve from those hard seasons. Um, and those spring seasons like come really refreshing. And, and sometimes you may not even know that your season's changing until it just did. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, this is what, this is what we're doing now. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you for bringing me out of that one. Um, but, but I think the Lord really does prepare you. And a lot of that is you being in God's word and you listening to his voice. Um, if I really think back, the Lord always prompted me. Remember I told you that I, that I get a lot of like, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Um, can't you perceive it? <laughs> like the Lord's kind of, kind of lets me know, Hey, this is spring. Okay. Get ready. Um, and even me telling you when I went into a fall, like the Lord, the Lord said, Hey, this things are going to change. You need to, you need to, uh, embrace this. You need to hold on for what's coming. Um, so I, I really think if you're in his word and if you're listening, like you're going to, you're going to be prepared. Does that make sense? Anybody else?
Yeah, um, honestly, we just loved them. Um, I was really internally struggling, internally, and like Aaron heard everything. So <laughs> um, Aaron would say that was not internal. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I mean, I really, so it was more of an internal and private struggle than it was like, like it was not a public struggle. Like even like Abraham, I mean, we loved Abraham. We were like, yeah, he can do, totally do this. It was more what it did to my pride and what it did to um, my heart than it was anything related to the people involved. And so we just, we loved him and we supported him, supported him and said, what can we do? We want to help you with this transition and um, what do you need? And so, um, so you got, you got to, you just got to love people even when you don't want to. And I don't know that that was a case where I didn't want to. I just wanted to wallow. <laughs> I personally wanted to wallow, but like we genuinely loved those people um, and just helped with that, right? I'm asking you. Well, and anytime your senior pastor makes a, an executive decision, I think it's I think it's that same thing. Like publicly, you're going to be a fan of it. Privately, you can say this is the worst idea ever. I don't know that this is a good idea. I mean, at some point, you need to probably come around, you know, um, to that idea, and um, they're your leader, you know. But um, but people don't need to know that. You don't need to start gossiping about that nonsense. So, anybody else? Okay. You came, okay, it sounds like you came into ministry really positively. Yeah, I came from the Oaks. I mean, so. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people like me are super negative. I was like, yeah, no, maybe I'll kick and scream the whole way. So what is it like to go into ministry positively? Like, what, so, and I think what happens is there's expectations. So yeah. I, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I came in thinking like, we're the dream team. Like we can do some stuff. Um, and then I realized like, oh, you don't want us to do stuff. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know what to do now. Um, so honestly, we came in like having had a lot of opportunities here. You get a lot of opportunities here. I don't know if you guys realize it. You need to realize it. Like you get a lot of opportunities here. Like, some people won't even let you go in and be a, a hold a baby in their church um, unless you have certain qualifications. Like, you get a lot of opportunities here. The fact that you can get up and say, I think the Lord is saying this to me. Can I share this? Um, and that's, I mean, you really get that opportunity. That didn't happen most places. Um, and so we left um, here feeling like, we're like the A team, you know? Um, and so 
um, we were just, we were just ready to go. Like we totally jumping into that spring season, you know, like, what do you want us to do? We're going to blow this out of the water. What I will tell you that I went into that was, um, that made it hard for me is somewhere along the lines, I believed this lie that, um, if you worked really hard and if you paid your dues, then um, you are going to automatically get these um, really cool, like, promotions, okay? So, like, I was pre-OSL, like, Master's Commission, where we actually did scrub the toilets and um, set up the chairs and um, move cars out of the mud um, and, like, all that kind of stuff. Oh, we did Oak Cliff Lawn every Thursday, picked the weed because uh, we still had Oak Cliff where life school is at, the, at that time. So every Thursday we mowed the lawn and picked the weeds and we did it and all that every Thursday, every Thursday. Um, so, <laughs> and so anyways, um, I just had this mindset of like, oh, if I'm good, if I just pick the weeds and um, scrub the toilets, like Aaron and I are totally going to pastor a church of 5,000. Like, Totally, like that is a given, like that is going to happen. Um, that's not how it works. And so that was a really hard bubble that burst for me. Um, and it doesn't mean that God is not faithful because that is true. Like that, that's the truth that I attached to the lie. That was like God's truth that I said, like, well, that's true. And I think this is, a, I think this might be true. So I'm going to attach God's word to this misconception. Um, and so I had to allow this part of the bubble to burst while still believing that he was faithful and that, um, and that he was going to get us to the right places. Um, yeah, that it was not, that was extra. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> and now I'm real, I feel real awkward that Aaron's in the room. Um, I begged Aaron, right? Can I say, can I say this? I'm just going to say it. I'm not, Rob's, Rob's face is in the wall, in the way, so I don't know whether he said yes or no. Um, I begged Aaron, like, let's get the crap out of here. Are you sorry? I don't know why I'm being so, but seriously, right? Um, like, like when he says I cried, it's like, I cried every night and then I cried every morning and then I cried every afternoon. Like, like, this is not what the Lord has for us. Listen to the Lord. (laughs) Um, so I tried that approach. That doesn't, that didn't work. (laughs) Um, so this is all mixed into that really weird fall season. Um, and a lot of my weird emotions that came with it. Um, so that was a hard season. Um, and we've had a couple of those, but that was the biggest one. Um, but when you and your spouse are not agreeing on what the Lord is saying, it just means you dig deeper. Um, we, I had to, I had to keep saying, okay, but is this, is this me, Lord? Is this me making this up or is this you? Um, is he just not in the right place yet? Like he is like the Lord hadn't spoken it to Aaron yet. Um, and I had to be, I had to be okay with that. And I wasn't honestly, um, it was a rough season. We have a hanging, uh, like a little art thing of a number five in our house, um, to represent year five of our marriage when I was a little pushy. <laughs> um, and we had a, we just had a rough year. We had a rough year because, because it was like, we both genuinely want to do what God is telling us to do. We just aren't hearing the same thing. 
in that season. And so, um, but it was really good for our marriage at the end of the day, right? Um, and so it's, it's one of those things that you have to just work through and it's a, it's a growing moment in your marriage for sure.